Hello, and welcome back to the Folk Podcast, episode 95. I'm sure a bunch of you are wondering, Ian, why are you opening this intro? Well, let me explain a little bit. So last night, I had a dream of us recording, and I opened it, uh, so we're going with it. And the topic that I had said dream about, uh, we are also going to talk about, and we're going to focus around uh, folklore creatures uh, from various countries and regions in Northern Europe and North America, and kind of branching out and finding those similarities and differences based off of those regions. We've kind of done this with, you know, various deities and their similarities and stories and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I have five tabs open on another computer ranging from uh, Scandinavian folklore, Irish, Celtic, uh, Slavic, German. And when I did North American stuff, it mainly came up with Native American folklore mythology. Uh, but we are going to kind of go into what would be considered like our standard, like North American, like American uh, folklore as well with some of our things. So I'm excited to kind of get into this because I was reading some of these things and there's a lot of similarities, but the Slavic stuff is just spooky. But I figured we start with uh, the Scandinavian things just to kind of go with that, considering it is Norse for the most part. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about this. How about you guys? Help. I'm tied up in my office. Ian has captivated me <laughs> with something else. And then I am, uh, I'm hostage. He has me. Help. Captivated you. I don't, I don't know. Captured. I meant captured. I don't know. Captivated. <laughs> He's given me drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Jacob, when I said this, Jacob was like, don't mess this up. I was like, we could do this for I almost mean, uh, hundred you know, episodes. I felt like it could be a little bit more peppy, you know, like, oh, yeah, like yeah. a little bit more peppy. Well, I mean, it was the first time he's done it. So yeah, yeah. Come on now. But yeah, I'm excited. I think this is going to be pretty interesting. Like I said, I was doing some reading on, on this, you know, the regions that I just read off here. And it's interesting to see the similarities and the differences. Um, you know, so I'm not sure, you know, how much folklore knowledge the two of you have as far as some of the different regions. I know Jacob, you and I were talking a little bit beforehand. Um, and you've got a few books. I know I've got a few books. Caleb, I'm not sure, you know. He's not like Appalachian magic. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's what I'm, uh, I'm curious. I don't have too many good. folklore books. I mean, most of my stuff's just like things I've come across and doing research. And like, usually if you look up mythology, you end up finding like, oh, there's, you know, there's Draugr and there's this and there's that. Yeah. The other. Yeah, that that was one thing that I, I definitely wanted to kind of, uh, when I was, kind of vetting through some of the folklore uh you know that i was coming across of what was more based in in paganism more so than like you know some of the christian influence stuff which was actually the most trickiest part for that was with the slavic stuff because there is quite a bit of of what would be considered like christian based demons and entities and things like that uh, but for the most part i was impressed with like the scandinavian and irish stuff where it wasn't so much of like Oh, these are like you know created from unbaptized like children or you know things of that nature and whatnot um but i mean just kind of getting into it like the fact that you mentioned draugr you know that's one of the first things that's on like the list for like scandinavian things uh i mean and most of us all know what draugr are you know they are undead you know are they zombies beings. I mean, obviously, yeah, for like a lack of better <laughs> terms, they really are. And one of the first, you know, as soon as I looked up, that, I was like, okay, I know Draugr and whatnot. And going into like the Irish uh, folklore, they have essentially their version of Draugr. Um, they're called Fear Gorta or Fear Gortas, G-O-R-T-A-S. I'm going to mispronounce half of this stuff, especially when we get over to like some of the Slavic German and the Native American stuff, the Native American stuff. I'm just gonna apologize ahead of time. Yo, there's I tried to pronounce some of this stuff. There's no way. Dude, there's I'm no over way I'm my, get it my right. Russian folklore textbook, and I'm just like, <laughs> what are these people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, I, yeah, some of the names, like I said, especially with the Native American folklore, I'm going to Maya Povoshina in Noginia. Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, so I'm apologizing ahead of time. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we have the you know irish version or the celtic version of you know a dryer which is a, a beer gorta um it's interesting kind of like they're when they're mostly 
uh, you know, present. And it says here, you know, they're usually seen in times of famine. And I mean, if anybody who has done any sort of research on European history, obviously Ireland had a huge potato famine. So I wonder if that's, you know, that had a huge thing to play into it as far as where they kind of came from. Because I'm sure well, if you think about it, like, how many people would have looked like zombies during that time, you know, like starving and shambling about because you're weak. Yeah. Right. Well, that was actually my precursor conversation before we dive too deep was, you mm. know, kind of my own uh, interest in finding the origins of things. Yeah. Uh, the first time something was mentioned and, and why would that have been? Uh, so I think it's always curious because, you know, of course, there are folk tales across mythologies that come from pagan in origin. Uh, but then there's other ones that are just fairy tales that are just fun mm. tales, because at the end of the day, people have always wanted to be creative. I mean, we have people that write fiction now. And so a lot of the times these fairy tales are just fictional tales from a fantastical mind of someone wanting to entertain. Um, you know, our need to entertain one another is not not started in the last 100 and 200 years. It's something that's gone back since the time of human history. Um, like, you know, again, we've talked about the show alone. You know, the basic needs of survival, of course, are water, food and shelter, uh, you know, and then warmth. But the one of the most important ones, which is why a lot of people leave the show and lose is entertainment. They get bored. Uh, they, you know, they miss their families. They uh, they just sit in their house the entire time. and They don't know what to do with themselves. Typically, the people that win that show are the ones that find something to do to entertain themselves. So our need for entertainment is something as it existed since we as a species has existed. And fairy tales and telling stories, whether they're based in mythology or based in religion or not, uh, has been something that's been around, you know, as long as we have. And so it, it can be really hard to look at folk tales and, you know, and find which ones are religious based and are were taken from Christianity, uh, you know, are saying like, you know, Christians were like, oh, this was a folk tale from the pagan days. Mm -hmm. We're going to change it to match you know the jesus image and and so we can still talk about it or is it something that was created from thin air you know yeah i think i think an interesting thing and I, i've noticed this kind of as i was doing um you know the reading on a lot of these and kind of picking out the difference between I, what i feel like was kind of came from a more pagan perspective more so than a abrahamic perspective um and for like example, I mean, like just talking about like these two similar, you know, undead zombie-like creatures, you know, with Draugr and the Grota, you know, with, with Draugr, I mean, obviously they were mostly, uh, you know, malicious in, in their intent of like, you stumble upon them, they're going to basically kill you. Um, interesting enough with like the Irish Grota, they basically walk around and you know they ask if they if you encounter them they don't necessarily just want to murder your face right then and there like they'll ask you for like food and if you give the creature you know like a grown-up food you basically it says you'll be blessed with prosperity and fortune um if you don't you're cursed with poverty and misfortune and so like there's a, a very, i feel like a very clear moral i mean it says right there like the moral of the legend is that if you share what you have you know you look after each other you know and like it's looking out for each other is going to be more beneficial than being greedy, obviously. Um, and so I feel like when it's coming from, again, this is my personal opinion, coming from a more pagan perspective, I feel like there's a, a lot more of a distinct moral uh, story behind it of, you know, not necessarily what's right or wrong, but of like actions and consequences compared to, I feel like with some of the more uh, Christian influenced folk tales, it's like, Basically, if you do bad, bad things are going to happen to you. If you do good, then maybe good things will happen to you or you'll just feel more at, at peace with you. They fit with the overall image of what it was to be a Christian. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it, it is it is kind of interesting to kind of start to pick apart, you know, some of these origins and kind of, pick, you know, figure out where they roughly came from. Um, there was one. Oh, sorry. There was one that I came across uh, in the last few years. Um because after after my wife had kids, she went through uh, uh, shit. I'm almost saying the wrong thing. It's a postpartum depression. Yeah, yeah. If it, yeah. And so one of the thing, one of the articles I came up with, I, I found whenever I was looking through all that, so just trying to understand it better, was that it's thought that that is possibly the um, uh, where the idea of changelings came from in like the Irish, mm -hmm. Scottish. Folklore. I don't know if that if the things it. like that existed in other areas like Germany and you know I'm uh, pretty sure regions and stuff. Every like re like region has a story of some form of baby like bad thing. 
I think that's actually yeah. a pretty common thing. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that is true or, you know, or maybe something to deal with miscarriages because um, I remember from my studies in, uh, in Russian uh, folk tales from like, you know, the 17 and 1800s uh, while in college, like they were really weird about like women on their periods, like really weird. Um, so I can only imagine how they would be with uh, women that have miscarriages. Um, they were also weird about women who were pregnant. Like, you know, they were really big on separating women who were pregnant. Uh, they were really big on, you know, if women were having a menstrual cycle, they would actually like separate them. Uh, and this is also something we've seen, uh, you know, through various societies. Uh, you know, I've, I remember reading it about tribes in Africa, like, you know, certain tribes in Africa, if women was on her period, they had to be separated from the tribes because they could like taint the energy or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, oh, what happens when the energy gets tainted? Maybe there's a creature that's involved or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's folklore oh my gosh there's that's yeah, a subject. yeah exactly and then, you know that's what's like that's why i have five tabs open and just it's just a, a small aspect of you know of folklore in general yeah like going onto the like into the changeling thing so yeah we were you we were pretty spot on so like the main thing as far as irish uh folklore go goes involving changelings it's basically uh it's a a, a fairy basically that is replaced with a human baby and it's like sole purpose is to terrorize the, the human parents while fairies take the human child uh and they thrive on like destruction that they bring to their human parents and feed off of like good fortune and good energy and things like that uh it says that like on this site that i'm on it doesn't say that they're really certain on exactly where the story originates from um but it was it says that it was most likely or many think that it may have been used to help like explain uh why you know you have some babies that are more fussy or or difficult as infants to deal with you know compared to some children that are like very easygoing and very like calm and whatnot like myself and you know myself in particular i was a nightmare child i was colicky colicky i was crying all the time so you know like well, that hasn't changed Oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> there's, a reason, there's a reason why the early well, 2000s emo vibe was a very good <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd have to try to find that article again. I'm not sure if I could or not. But if I'm not mistaken, I want to say whenever I read it, like that was the 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 idea of the changeling was like, and the the reason they linked it with um, postpartum depression was like that was the explanation that they came up with for why a mother didn't love her child or this that and the other and then yeah because it's um, not like the same child so to speak or or you know like their their babies but kind of like if you look at it from the irish perspective perspective like mm. swap you know and like you know for the mothers out there obviously you know they have like a, a a very keen you know connection obviously especially with newborns and just their children in general because obviously so I, th I think here's a good distinction so i'm going through my russian folklore book and like there's a story right here called the mushrooms and it's literally about mushrooms talking to one another um and this could be an interesting like educational thing for children or for adults um to teach them about uh different mushrooms uh like which ones are dangerous which ones are you know safe to eat which ones can do what not and so there could be an educational i mean there is an educational component to folk tales uh and you know and, and folklore you know did people actually go out in the woods and think mushrooms talk to each other probably not but <laughs> They did think there was obviously lessons in the mushrooms. But then the next story is called The Sun, the Wind, and the Moon, and all three are, uh, are sons-in-laws. And so, and it talks about the relationship with one another. So that's the kind of story I'm like, hmm, there might be a pagan element to this, you know, mm. at one point, uh, just because of the way it sounds. Yeah. Well, it's, there's a few, and kind of going back onto like a lot of these like folklore entities kind of, circulating around you know women you know in various stages and and uh you know cycles and etc uh germanic folklore basically have what are called elves not like the mountains but it's basically translates or is a variation of the word elf um this one this one was weird to kind of like read about but basically it's kind of it's like the germanic version of a sleep paralysis like monster um but it they particularly like to go it says they let's see it's often said that they deserve women more uh because the way that they get like they feed is not only by like manipulating dreams and causing nightmares but they like to drink blood but specifically 
They suck the blood through the breasts of humans, and this is the reasons why they prefer women to get the extra taste of breast milk. Oh my! Yeah, Laz is like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah, like, and it's just like that's such a, you know, honestly, it's a terrifying like thing, like image to think about. Was that Slavic or was that Irish? That's that's Germanic. Oh, that's Germanic. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's like the Germanic version of or variation of an elf. Like basically an evil elf. Well, I remember a friend in uh, in college. She was telling me her family was German, and she was telling me about uh, this. Like, I don't remember if it was an elf. I think it was, and it was literally an elf that would go around and cutting like kids' fingers off if they stole something. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Let me see. I mean, let's see if I can find if that's on this list. Maybe not. Like my my extent of like German stuff is like back whenever I I was learning it, and I remember all the. I remember all the information that they that our teacher threw at us about like the Krampus and how it's literally just yeah, I was just looking at good old good old Krampus here. Um, you know, and I obviously like the a recurring theme I feel like with a lot of uh folklore and some of these monsters, you know, or creatures, entities, whatever, usually are I feel like parents ploys in some regards, I feel like as though, at least what this, what they were turned into of making their children behave. Cause obviously, Oh, found it. Here we go. Oh, um, <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Caleb. Sorry. I just remembered this one, this one thing. I don't remember where I heard it from. I can't remember if I was talking to somebody or what, but it was an idea that came about of like where the idea of the Banshee came from mm-hmm. and that that screaming, like the, the screaming of a woman that's like out in the distance, like how it was this, uh, this thing that would come get them if they got out of their bed or they didn't take the, like, if they pulled the covers off their head or whatever. Apparently it was like their, their parents, like having sex in the other room or in the same room or whatever. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't, yeah, don't remember exactly where I heard yeah, it. Don't leave your bed. It's a terrifying spectral woman that's screaming. That's going to eat yep. you really <laughs> parents doing the nasty. <laughs> oh, um, so the, the thing I, I just like, so it's a kobold. Uh, is the one that will cut your fingers off. Uh, and they come in various forms, and it comes from Germany. And uh, there are also goblins, hobgoblins, and uh, sprites, and sometimes household spirits. Uh, so they're kind of like this overarching thing, and there's good and bad ones. So there's like the household spirits um, that are good, and then there's the ones that are you know mischievous and bad. Um, right. And so, and interestingly enough, even right here on Wikipedia, it talks about how like there, it's theorized that these come directly from pagan origins of the idea of house spirits. Mm-hmm. Because uh, even up to the 13th century, even after conversion, people were still carving effigies of house go- hobgoblins or kobolds and placing them in their homes to, like, you know, appease their household spirits. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting, you know, that, you know, right here, it's like, boom, pagan origin. Yeah. And I mean, like, looking at, you know, uh, going across, like, these different areas and regions, you know, with a lot of their mythology is there's definitely a overarching uh, idea or concept of basically like little people or elves, like literally in the Scandinavian, Irish, Slavic, uh, the Germanic and native American stuff. There is at least one or two various types of basically elves or like little people that are house spirits or, you know, and there's obviously there's, there's the, there's a good and a bad Slavic stuff. I didn't really find, too much of just an overarching arcing good because the Slavic stuff is just really dark and just spooky and messed up uh, in some regards. Uh, hence, I mean, anybody who's who's played like The Witcher or has watched The Witcher series, most of that, if not, well, I mean, honestly, I think all of it is primarily based off of Slavic folklore and monsters anyways. Because um, if you read through some of the stuff, like you'll come across it. Uh, familiar names like Kikimora and Leshies and and et cetera. Obviously, they put their own twist on it, but uh, you know that's roughly where it comes from. That stuff is just dark and spooky. I mean, I've obviously with uh, let's see with like the Scandinavian, you know, little peoples and elves. I mean, we have a couple different ones that I have on here. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have like just the elves, and they have what's called or yeah. Uh, we have dwarves. Here we go. They're called like. Uh, let's see if I can pronounce this right. Uh, the Nessie or Nisi, N I S S E. There's a couple different spellings. If it's in Swedish, it's Tomte. Uh, basically, they're. I what I feel like is where Santa's elves kind of got their, uh, their origin or like their Christian, um, 
origin from because they're basically associated with winter and winter holidays. I think they might be connected to like the Yule Lads um, as well, or at least that's probably where they come from for those who have who know what the Yule Lads are. Um, friendly little elves or goblins that have generally portrayed as short, white bearded, gift bearing or gift bearers who wear bright colored uh, conical hats, often red ones. Like that's basically Spartan Santa's. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of the mythologies and folktales that existed in the past have been, you know, boiled down to what we still talk about today. I mean, that's yeah. something I figured we could talk about as well, is even in America somehow survives some amount of folktales and, and even mythical creatures such as Santa, such as the elves, uh, the flying reindeer, the Easter bunny, yeah. um, you know, even uh, something as, you know, modern as like the leprechauns of, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, and that's, you know, and obviously like a leprechaun of St. Patrick's Day, it's just like, oh, ha ha, you know, that's kind of funny. But again, that probably goes back to these kobolds, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the idea of uh, little sprites and, you know, and little elves. Uh, that's something we see across cultures, um, you know, and, and many people that listen to this podcast are going to know way more about the European. But like you said, that exists even into North America. Uh, yeah. But typically they take on a much different image as they reach into, uh, you know, North American mythology, uh, definitely South American and uh, definitely African. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, just even with neighbors, like I, it's 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 so interesting and kind of entertaining to me to look at how for the most part most of these you know house spirits wise at least are relatively you know nice and and you know yeah they can be mischievous but if you go to like again the slavic stuff it's just it's such an such a different vibe um so kind of like the equivalent to you know the slavic house spirit it's called uh, a dumavoy or dumavik there's a couple different like names for it uh it's a house spirit known in all Slavic countries. And the image is, just kind of cracks me up too, because I was like, if I ever saw something like this, I'd freak out. But it's like a middle, little middle-aged man with a fur cloak. Uh, he usually, uh, let's see, he can transform into like a dog, cat, cow, uh, often lives in like a corner close to a hearth or an attic or in a garden. So like a little hairy gnome dude, basically, that like hides in like these little specific parts of your house or your property. Um, and, That's very similar to how kobolds are described in Germany. I mean, obviously, very, very close by. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, neighboring regions for the most part. Um, but it's funny because it says, you know, they are, you know, for the most part friendly, but they can be very dangerous uh, if you actually see them. Because if you see them and you don't bring them basically a tribute of bread or wheat, they literally just abandon your house. And then uh, when they leave, them the, the uh, effect of them leaving it causes sickness for both the people living in the house and like the cattle. Basically, you just get sick and start dying off of like disease. So it's just like you have this little hairy man that lives in like a corner of your house. It's like you don't bring him bread if you see him. Like he's just gonna leave, and your whole family's gonna die of like the plague, you know, and your or and or your cattle. And it's just like why? <laughs> like is the, is the website you're on uh, Mythos Fandom? uh la, 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 la. yes actually yeah yeah because I, I just pulled up this website and i saw like right away that what you're just talking about there yeah yeah this it's one thing i did notice too is like slavic stuff has a like from what i've seen has a way bigger list too like there's 44 things and then like entities on on like the slavic stuff which is more than what i've really come across um you know for some well, of these other um i'm trying to think even like uh Caleb, you were there when Keenan was telling us about the uh, wide-eyed people or the blue-eyed people. Uh, the moon-eyed people. Moon-eyed people. That's right. That's right. Is that that's yeah. a, is that a Native American thing? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a thing that, if I'm not mistaken, he was saying that it was. Um, it was from the Cherokee, and at the time, it was uh, part like there was a decent part of Tennessee, which I'm not sure exactly the time period that it came from. But he said that, that like it this was it was not like Cherokee land and the people that lived there were the Moon Eye people. Eventually they uh the Cherokee and the Moon Eye people like had a war and then the the Cherokee won. But they would only come out at night and they called them Moon Eye people because their their eyes were so big and uh bright that they couldn't come out during the day because they couldn't see. Interesting. Um and I 
you was mentioning elves and stuff like that earlier. And I was trying to remember exactly like what the thing was that I like whenever we had um Sean from OC and the Jupiter back um several episodes ago. Maybe might have been back in like the four uh, episode forty something. Um, but we were talking about all the uh Appalachian stuff. Yeah. And I remember one of the things I found was like um these it didn't exactly call them elves, but they, they were like they called them like little people or something like that. And they were these like little invisible things. And that's what the, the Native Americans said uh that uh, taught them how to like heal people, taught them medicine. Yeah. And each, each tribe had a different name for them. Yeah, actually I have it. I like, literally I'm on that part of the page. Yeah, there's several Native American tribes um that include stories of races of little people. Um the one that I'm most familiar with that I've heard before is like uh Puckwudgies. Um I'm not exactly sure what tribe it doesn't specify what tribes are calling them by these names. Um but yeah it's it says let's see um they were, you know, instead of being, uh, they weren't necessarily cute, jolly Disney-esque dwarves, according to this website, but I don't know, obviously, internet is... Yeah, are, so they, are they mischievous? Or? Uh, it says they are, they were strong, fierce, and brutally warlike in some myths. Um, oh my gosh. But yeah, right? And little people were magical forest gnomes, while in others, they were fierce and foe. So it's like, it, it seems like it ranges from... You know, probably tribe to tribe. I'm assuming, um, like even some of them. Let's see, what tribe is this? Uh, let's see. See, it doesn't say what what tribe, but it says like the region here near the Pedro Mountains near uh, Wyoming. The tribes in that region, basically the translation from the name, which I'm not even trying to pronounce, uh, roughly translates to people eaters. Which is this is the, the dwarves, these like these little people or these dwarves would kidnap and devour children, kill livestock animals, and attack adult warriors with ease. And they were equally brutal to their own kind. So like you have these little cannibalistic gnomes or dwarves like hiding out in the Pedro Mountains near Wyoming. Like but then, yeah, like then, like <laughs> what you said, there is some that are, you know, it it seems like yeah, it just varies from from tribe to tribe and region to region, which is you know, America is a big countries obviously you have like we have a multitude of, of just regions alone in that and obviously right. with the native tribes well and something so. um you know again like something i'm always big into is finding the commonalities between you know world religions and world understandings mm -hmm. to see you know what probably is true because in the sense of like if someone in north america five thousand years ago was seeing little people or told stories of these little mischievous people or even warlike people and someone all the way around the world is also telling these stories of very similar beings to me that shows there's something there that human society realize that these things exist and have stories about them so there has to be something there um same thing with like werewolves i think yeah. they're a great example like almost every society on the planet and in fact i think every society on the planet every culture on the planet has a story about some form of human shape-shifting into a wolf um yeah. you know whether thou that's on the spectrum of really really evil or you know a little bit more like controlled personally you know basically the werewolf versus the lichen almost mm -hmm. you know it's it's kind of up to the society because obviously the native american perspective is very bad but right, then you have yeah. the norse perspective where it's like no this is something you have to achieve to honor odin you know is, is yeah. being able to transform into a wolf right exactly yeah like i thought it was a pretty common thing and like and then there's like the irish version of it which is just called the werewolves of uh ossuary or ossuary ossuary and yeah i saw it here in the slavic west uh, list as well mentioned them yeah so yeah they were uh let me see if they're uh, yeah so that's more of like even like the norse it, it actually sounds very much like Ednar, just the celtic version of it uh they were called upon to help old irish kings to help in battle and they were said to be ancient descendants of Irish royalty. Um, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Uh, originated from the tribal people who would live in the wild in ancient Ireland. They were often werewolf-like dress or war. Uh, some of the grammar in this is janky, but uh, let's see, when they were hunting, as well as ritualistic events, uh, which is, oh, Although there are no longer any actual wolves native to Ireland, it is said that the animals used to plague the Irish people. So it seems like that's kind of goes both yeah. ways here. And, and then here, interestingly enough, again, we have very similar <laughs> things. Uh, it, again, coming from the internet, it's hard to see where they got these things from. But again, I can yeah. see it. Because um, it says in Slavic mythology, being a werewolf is far different than Hollywood. Uh, one way uh, man for a man to become a werewolf is to skin uh, and kill a wolf and cover himself without tanning the hide in order to become a werewolf. Um, so that is very similar to a wolf Hadenar. 
Um, yeah. There's also another belief is when pregnant women die and then a wolf passes over their body before they're burned, her child can turn into a werewolf and grow into an adult over time, eventually popping out of her womb for a hunt. So it's definitely a lot darker. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> but that also kind of fits into the changeling thing a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the I like to just kind of give a lot of the uh, a lot of the folklore mythological creatures of like this, you know, these these vibes, just like that overall, you know, title of like basically what would just be known as like the Fae or you know creatures of like the spirit world so to speak because i mean that's essentially what they are like they are supernatural creatures that occasionally make appearances and either a help or be terrorized you know it's it's you know usually one way or the other i mean there's a few like that are kind of in that gray area of of they'll you know they'll do both obviously if uh you know if you help them they'll help you if you disrespect them you know they'll mess your shit up um you know, and I mean, obviously, we've brought this into a lot of our practice with, you know, just giving offerings for uh, before gatherings with offering to Lambeteer and or whatever, you know, potential natives of spirits that may be in that area, just to let them know, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, this is why as like, you know, that that safe uh, safeguard and, uh, you know, just overall respect of we know that you're potentially out here. This is what we're doing, you know we mean no intrusion, no disrespect, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I feel like, I mean, obviously we've had interesting situations happen in the past from not doing that, but obviously, you know, ever since we've really focused on doing it, we've had, you know, really positive uh, responses to, you know, a lot of our. Well, I think uh, that's why, you things. know, I'm over here reading stuff about uh, the Navo belief with, you know, the, they who will not be named to me. As I literally uh, just said, uh, <laughs> I know. No, do not name them. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's one I don't name, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but like, you know, the interesting thing here is like, again, just from this website is talking about how it is considered taboo for anyone to wear the pelt of a predatory animal but it's okay to wear like non-predatorial animal skins. And so where it's like us here practicing in North America, a form of Nordic paganism or Germanic or Irish, you know, it's very common to wear an animal pelt of a predatory animal because it's either seen as a rite of passage because you hunted or killed it, or it's seen as a, a respect to like Odin because you're connecting to the Alfadenar or the, you know, the Berserk here. Um, but, you know, and here in North America, that can be seen as bad. And so right. I think that's why it's important for us to always establish the Lanvatir rituals because we're on North American land, the North American mythology. And so we have to respect what was observed here while also acknowledging what we're trying to bring, you know, bring here as well. Um, and like you said, I think once we started acknowledging it, we saw that shift. Like uh, when we weren't acknowledging it, that difference, we were getting negative results. But the moment we started saying, hey, let's respect and honor the land, acknowledge where, where the land we're staying on and tell them yeah. what we're doing. All of a sudden we, we didn't have any negative experiences. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like going into what, you know, I would consider like the what we know today as like American folklore. I feel like it has transferred and transformed into what we now just commonly call like cryptids nowadays i'm sure if logan if you're listening to this stupid word a, i know right logan will have... internet word get out of here <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah i mean obviously for our avid cryptid fans um you know like it, it's kind of interesting to see how like once uh you know europeans came over into America and like America was kind of, you know, started to get fully established and everything like that. Some of the interesting monstrosities is basically the best way I would just, I would look at them because for the most part, the modern day American folklore creatures that I'm, you know, commonly aware of are usually just these not okay things, man. Like you've got like the Jersey devil, which is obviously a heavily Christian influenced thing, which is a, you know, literal monstrosity born from like hell you know because lady had 13 children and the 13th one you know she basically damned it before it was even born because it was like um like two day long labor or something like that i don't remember the full story now you have this horse goat bat demon thing that rolls around in the pine burrows of virginia and west virginia it's just like what like why did we stray like what did we do like why did we create such monstrosities you know like obviously there are like some spooky things and stuff that stems from paganism but like once you start getting like 
the modern or what I would say, you know, the modern day Christianity involvement, things just have gotten nuts. Things have gotten, well, I think like, this is creepy. a good transition here. Again, I'm reading more into this. Uh, specifically the Navajo legends. I, I didn't know about this and I'll have to do more research. It's called the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878. Hmm. Um, and I guess it was response. It was kind of, it, it's weird. So obviously like there's the U.S. element where they, you know, were kicking, you know, natives out of their land, particularly the Navajo at this time. Uh, hmm. And a lot of the Navajo people, I guess, started turning on their gods because they thought their gods had abandoned them um, because they were losing their land. They were, you know, having famine and starvation, you know, starvation and death and illness because of all these things. And so a lot of people turn to, uh, the negative side of witchcraft. Like, so they would either blame the gods and leave, or they would turn to the negative side of, uh, their belief system, which of course involves, uh, you know, the word that shall be named by my side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they actually, uh, in response to this, the Navajo community, I guess, had a purge where they were hunting down people who were practicing this form of witchcraft and actually like killing them. Uh, and which uh, in 1878, 40 Navajo suspected witches were killed in order to restore harmony and balance for the tribe, according to this website. That's crazy. So yeah, yeah. basically the Navajo had their, their equivalent to like a Salem witch trial. I didn't know that. But yeah. I mean, it, make, it makes sense, though, like when I guess in a way, like once you, you know, something that catastrophic happens to like your people, you know, no matter where you're at, like, obviously, if you're very, you know, faith based uh, peoples and have, you know, a wide range of, of like, good and bad entities and things that you can potentially summon, like, obviously, people are going to become desperate enough to start dabbling in darker things. I mean, it's a very, you know, age old tale of. I tried doing things the good way. Now I'm gonna, you know, sell my soul to Satan, kind of thing. You know, right? Like a better, better description. But I mean, I was talking about this. Uh, you know, the the bar I've been working at. I was talking about this with someone the other night, and I was just like, you know, because we were talking about like you know the shootings that are happening more and more now. It seems like even in, in not just necessarily mass shootings, but just like small occurrences. You know, they were talking about like literally a bar they were just at. Someone got shot. And I was like, well, you know, when you live in a society that's under intense pressure and financial strain and, and struggle, it makes people turn into this. It, like, I don't even yeah. necessarily know if it's a singular person's fault at that point. It's a societal problem because yeah. we as a society are putting too much pressure and stress on people that it's making them break. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, once something happens in their personal life, they get into an argument with a friend in a bar. They're so under so much pressure. That's when it happens. Um, yeah. And I think the same thing can be said for a lot of these folk tales, the darker folk tales is, you know, we've gone through these waves of really hard times throughout any society. And when these really hard, hard times happen, you get bad things that happen and then folk tales that come from those bad things as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like that's why the to... Slavic regions, you know, are all depressing because nothing but bad things have happened to the Slavic region. In like and, it's, yeah, and, it's a, and it's a harsh, <laughs> it's a harsh harsh place Dude, to live man like, like even like outside of like you know like the ukraine war literally happening right now but before then they were ruled by the goddamn mongols for like 300 years yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah it, it is i mean it does make sense like you have such a i mean it also makes sense on why there's so many too like i said like that list had 44 things and like i went through maybe 15 and dude like basically not a, almost a none of them were good nice like you know like uh you know scandinavian or like icelandic like elves you know like iceland literally has laws like government-based laws that protect various areas of you know of iceland where they can and cannot develop or build unless they legitimately give an offering or ask the elves for for, for permission like, yeah. this is real stuff. Like, you can easily look it up. It is, you know, like, so there's still, again, there's still stuff that is practiced, obviously, today, you know, at a cultural level. So, like, you know, and then you go over to the Slavic stuff, and it's just like, no, we'll teach Burn your children. all the elves. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, they will holy. suck the blood out of your teats. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what the, what? Like, dude, yeah, it's it's so interesting to, like, look at it look at it and to see the different regions. Like, and I, I, I wanted to like, as I was pulling up all these different things, like I started getting obviously like recommendations of like, like Egyptian stuff in Africa and things like that. But I wanted to keep it, you know, more yeah. North America and Northern Europe, but like. Yeah, and I always so like, you know, much. again, like talking about this Navajo stuff, I want to go back and cross references. I want to look at other sources about this, yeah. you know, this witch uh, 
uh, purging that happened to make sure you know it actually happened. I'm not just reading it on web, one website. Um, right. And that's something I recommend to everyone. You know, folk tales are fun. You know, read them at surface level. But if you want to dive deeper, make sure you cross reference because you know. Yeah. You, anything can be put on the internet and like you know again the skinwalker thing as far damn it, i said um, ah. Ah, you know but uh i was actually going to say the uh, the all thing uh you know that little internet thing talking about slavic people putting on the skins of untanned hides okay where did you get that from or did you just say mm -hmm. well it's close enough to the old that they just made that right. conclusion so that's just one of the things you always have to check for is where did they I, guys, I'm finding a lot of the times people are just like making some broad generalizations and saying it's fact and no one's questioning it. And I think that's just something that's been happening for a while when it comes to folklore and mythology. Uh, you know, and then once you find the source of the information, someone's like, well, I think this is how it happened. And then we've just accepted it as fact. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's why. I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You know, like there's some stuff that I've, I've read and everything that I feel like has come from, you know, but good sources that aren't the internet necessarily and stuff that i've known you know since i was a kid like involving like read books trolls. kids yeah read books <laughs> you know it, like another good like difference you know in, in some of the mythologies or like folklore of creatures is like trolls you know trolls in scandinavian culture and like folklore are relatively they're nice like they're, they're basically the equivalent of like your house spirit like helpful house spirit where are you finding this from uh, so let's see here. <laughs> no, I don't believe so. Pretty sure I troll mean, is still considered a bad thing. Not really. I mean, that's the whole reason there's troll crosses to stop them. It's a, okay. It depends. They, I mean, there are tri they obviously are tricksters and things like that. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a more says so the guy who works at Fenrir. <laughs> listen, listen. I, don't know. I feel like I feel they're like they're not that bad. They just kill bad. people and steal babies. Okay, well, because besides, <laughs> besides the baby stealing thing, oh. they are they can they can be helpful to humans. I don't know. I think there was a weird I think there's a weird transition of like where they were really bad and then like they became kind of like okay like later down the line. Because I mean obviously like you go to most houses from anybody yeah who's, and, and from vampires in the 1600s were basically seen as these decrepit old zombies sucking your blood but now they're sexy so yeah, yeah so right it changes yeah. doesn't make it right yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fair but, oh man yeah well, imagine fair. going back in time to like the 1600s to a slavic family and being like oh yeah these are vampires now and you show them like twilight and they're like what they're probably just <laughs> they would just put Stab a stake into your chest. Right. Like, they're like, well, you're probably a vampire then. Right. You're down. <laughs> you must die. No, I, you know, I... you watch what is that? The show, uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, like the original yeah. one. Like they they like show literally like the Nosferatu's a uh, vampire from like the 1900s, and even back then it was like this like <laughs> yeah like, evil looking thing, and now they're sexy. Creepy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one one um, Norwegian specific or like Scandinavian specific. Uh, creature that i've i've been actually doing some digging on and and reading on a bit uh mainly because i'm pretty i think it came and i saw it in a dream which is why i started looking into it like i did some research it's called the holdra in norwegian um it is basically a feminine mythical being who is renowned for her grace and beauty she dwells into mines caves near deep forests and is said to lure men into endless labyrinths or, or of underground tunnels. It uh, can lure them into forests where they'll become lost, sealing their mortal souls. Uh, basically, anybody who's ever heard of like the Lady of the Forest, it's that is what she is also known as. Um, but it's, it's interesting, and I think if anybody has watched the movie um, Wretched, on Netflix, I think I'm very, I'm pretty sure that that is what that creature is based off of is the Holdra. Um, but they can, uh, let's see, they can lose their beautiful physical appearance if they are convinced to marry a mortal in a church. Obviously, that is where like some of the Christian influence comes from. Um, but they've been around for a lot longer than that, basically known as like the living spirit of the forest. You know, and it was interesting because I had a really spooky past dream of being in a forest. Actually, Jacob, you were in it. Uh, I remember what? it a little bit more. Yeah. Listen, we talk what? a lot. We see each other a lot. You end up in my dreams every now and then. It's weird. 
Anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about it. Let's move on. Well, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, going back to the, the Christian influence thing, I, you know, that uh, episode I did about a year ago on the elves uh, on a YouTube channel, I have, I bought that book that was just like elven uh, folk tales from Iceland. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, again, you could see the, you know, the pagan origins, but then, you know, the Christian influence obviously comes in and that they're a bad thing. And it wasn't until the Christian influence came in that they were a bad thing because it was talking about how, like, you know, um, they would lure people away, you know, especially on like holidays and like during church services and stuff. Uh, and then like, I'm pretty sure there was one about like elves trying to convince this woman to come out to basically have a pagan ritual like they were like hey let's go have a bonfire let's dance let's have a good time like woo and then the moment she did like every one of her family members die you know <laughs> yeah it, it, so it, it's it, it is pretty interesting too how like going back to like the holdra how so prevalent that is so a friend of mine is in norway right now and they sent me a uh you know they were walking down a trail in a forest and there was literal like information of like the holdra like posted on trees and stuff like talking about it and uh, talking about her and everything like that and i was just like that's super spooky like you know that it's again it's one of those things like it's obviously still very prevalent of hey be cautious when walking in the woods because you never know what you know if there's some beautiful woman hanging out near a creek that doesn't look like she really belongs and like is just you know like where did you come from kind of thing don't go near it. She's probably going to eat your soul, you know, or try to eat you. you know, oh, not, um, you as know. I was, I was just thumbing through this, uh, the Grimm's fairy tales. Um, so like Snow White comes from Grimm's fairy tales. And I think mm -hmm. we're moving as a society, we're moving away from the origins of like majority of our like Disney shows or a lot of them are Germanic tales from literally Grimm's fairy tales. Um, yeah. You know, like Snow White is a great example. Like, you know, the seven dwarves. Uh, you know, literally from that, it's like, oh, people are just like, oh, look at these little fantastical creatures. But no, like at one point, the Germanic people actually believed in little fantastical creatures that had lived in the woods and lived in houses and, and things like that. So I feel like as society, they've just become imprinted into like, oh, that's just a fairy tale. But things like, uh, you know, Sleeping Beauty, I almost guarantee you that that origin of, you know, seven dwarves being involved is definitely pagan in origin. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Do you like? I I feel like well, and it's it's funny when you look into the actual, you know, Germanic fairy tales, like you know the Grimm fairy tales, and compare them to the Disney movies that they're allegedly based off of. Dude, they're completely different. Some of those are so jacked up. Like, I remember it being fun, like whenever I first learned about the the Grimm brothers uh, book. And just going yeah. back and looking at like how the things were, especially like Cinderella, because like yeah, that's like, exactly at the end, like her about. sisters like. They end up cutting off pieces of their foot to stick it in that shoe, and then yeah, uh, dude, it's so I can't remember if the sisters or the mother ends up getting their their eyes eaten out by the by like her little bird friends. I think it was, like I think it was the stepmother. I think the wicked stepmother gets her like eyes eaten by the rats, like that she's friends with, like little rodents that she's friends. Well, with even here, like uh, the Snow White's stepmother literally has to put on fiery slippers and dance until she dies, and that's how the story ends. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Disney, oh. what? I don't remember that in the Disney movie. They got a kid. They got a kid to fight. Right, um, right. <laughs> but something, oh, uh, something that I, I got to thinking, and I was trying to find more information because like, I used to be really big into like, you know, cryptids and stuff like that. Whenever I was younger, um, specifically like Bigfoot and Loch Ness and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember at one point finding things that was like I was trying to like go back and like see like where it like the idea that originally came from and it i found that it was connected to like the native americans and but i cannot remember all of the stuff it had to do i want to say that there was uh I, i'm trying to get my words now because i'm trying to think from all the other com the conversation i was just listening to um but i want to say that there was something that i came across and it was that they the you know, some of the native people uh reported that you could uh, you could come across them in the woods and that you would only see them if they wanted you to see them. So in a way, like it was a, uh, you know, kind of like how we how we know it as the spirits is like it's a matter of uh, like uh, of your perception of if you're able to you know connect with that spirit, and then it's been turned into what we know nowadays is like the big hairy man out in the woods. Talk, found it. So uh, yeah, I, I was like I, I remember reading something on that with like the Native American uh, list that I came across, and it is. You know, this is what it's calling it. So I'm, again, it doesn't really specify what tribe it ca called this. Uh, but Bakwas, uh, a hairy wild man that lived in the forest. Unlike Sasquatch, however, the Bakwas 
uh, was a ghostly creature that passed back and forth between the human world and the ghostly world. Um, if you came across, if Abakwas came upon a human who was lost in the woods, it would offer the person some food. But if it wasn't, but it wasn't normal food, it was basically what they call ghost food. If the human ate it, he or she would be transformed into Abakwa as well. So yeah, I think that might be along a similar line where it was basically like these things weren't necessarily just like always present. They kind of would shift and fade in and out of, you know, our world and their world, so to speak. Um, again, I'm just, I am generalizing here because I, I don't know exactly what story you're talking about, you know, yeah. I mean, again, it like, does sound very similar. all this to me comes from the Icelandic stories of the elves as well, because the elves literally, you couldn't see them unless they let you see them. And they would literally yeah. have to spit into your eye for you to be able to see them. Right. And like, like just a really out there, re- like uh reference that shows that if anybody, you know, uh, that read as a kid, the spider wick chronicles, which covers a bunch of fairy tale creatures and stuff like that, that is, you know, that is something that is actually shown within the movie that they did and talked about in the book, where basically this hobgoblin creature elf thing spit into the eyes of the kids that were in the book and the movie so that they could see every, like, you know, this other realm, this other world, and they could see all the creatures that have literally been living side by side them, you know, without them even knowing about it kind of a thing. So, yeah, it is... It's interesting how you can, there's some very obscure, again, that's an obscure reference. So for those who know, you know, but um, yeah, it is kind of interesting. Like once you kind of dive into that and you kind of see like where some of that attention to detail was came from or like was used in modern medium, et cetera. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about having elves spit in my eyes. I don't even like it. When my dog, <laughs> I don't even like it when my dogs lick my face and I get slobber in my, you know, on my face necessarily. So like, no, I'm just I, I'm honestly searching more about this Navajo uh, witch purge of 1878. It's wild. Yeah. It looks like there was a book written about it, and that book is super expensive now. And like for the most part, there's not a lot of information about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the I found a copy of the book. It's 110 dollars. Yeah, um, but yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's widely talked about. I mean, it's obviously something people probably don't want to talk about very much. But I mean, it is it is something that's just like a human thing, you know. Again, like bad stuff happens you want to find a blame and you know people doing weird stuff in the woods are the ones to blame um again it's, it's not one person's fault you know at the end of the day when you put a society under extreme pressure it just happens uh sorry i was i wanted to interject with that <laughs> no, I mean, yeah okay what is that book called like what is it called uh it's literally called the witch purge of 1878 navajo oral history and monograph series yeah i mean it, it it does make sense like if you do look at like you said, certain periods of time where like, you know, purges like that were done. I mean, obviously like Salem witch trials, you know, America was not even a thing yet. It was just still really colonies and they were, you know, we having a rough time at it. So who to blame, but you know, the weird crone ladies that lived out in the woods by themselves, you know, doing who knows what, you know, whether they, you know, were actual witches or, you know, most of the, I feel like, the, oh my god this mm-hmm. book is only 35 pages long what really yeah for 110 dollars. like i'm almost tempted now just to like almost like as a like an archaeologist perspective like i need to preserve this book you know yeah. <laughs> like i need to like put it in a case somewhere because oh i doubt there's god. many copies of this out there no holy smokes that's ridiculous i wonder i want to try to find i want to try to find a digital copy now because that's insane like that's, yeah. that's the other thing with like researching into paganism and stuff is like, and mythologies, uh, once you hit a certain point, you find out that we actually don't know that much. And yeah. it's just because interest is just not there. And so the money's not been there to do research or, you know, and record history and whatnot. Uh, same thing with like Nehalenia, you know, Nehalenia to me is one of the most interesting goddesses I've ever researched, but there's hardly mm. anything else, anything out there about her. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, no, we just have a fuck ton of shrines to her in this back room over here that we found buried in the ocean. Oh, no, big deal. No one's really yeah. that interested. So that's it. Yeah, moving on. All right. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I feel like I, I personally feel like a lot of this stuff needs to be, you know, preserved, obviously, and like. And understood, least, you know, yeah, like understood, understood the good and the bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, um, I, for one, will definitely, when, when I ever have kids, like, 
I'm definitely gonna tell them some of those spooky things. This is, you know, do, do the age-old parent thing of, hey, don't go out, you know, don't leave your room at night, otherwise, you know, Banshee's gonna come get your ass, or like, you know, Kelpies are gonna, you know, eat you if you go out near a river by yourself, you know, mainly just don't go out there because you get drowned. Yeah, a, a weird rotting merhorse creature isn't gonna necessarily snatch your ass up and drown you, but like, it's scary. And I bet you it was pretty effective. So I, um, I definitely so, see myself using that. Uh, in closing here, we need to start wrapping it up. Yeah. Uh, I was going to see, did you guys have any folk tales or, or stories told to you as a child that, you know, you look back now and you're like, oh, wow, that's, you know, like a cultural thing. You know, that's, you know, something that you tell your children to either teach them a lesson or teach them about, you know, creatures in the woods or, or things like that. Uh, I mean, most of the stuff around where I grew up was all primarily like Native American based things. Um, so nothing that I can really think of like originally. I mean, even like, yeah, even though like there's a heavily like Scandinavian population here. I mean, like elves and trolls are, are I would say the only real thing that was ever brought up around here. Like, there's literally a, an area near where I live called Trollwood. Um, you know, I've heard some, some spooky stories there. It's not much of a, of a forest anymore because of, of civilization expanding and, you know, destroying shit. But, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's really the only thing I can really think of is, like, some of those, you know, elves and more spectral ghosty things, but not not anything, like, I'm sure that you guys have over in that part of the country. I mean... Oh, go ahead, Caitlin. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the, the biggest thing I remember was all the stories about cougars and things like that uh, growing up. Because it's, yeah, I think we talked about it, like, the last, I don't know if it's the last couple episodes or a few episodes ago, whenever it was. But there was, you know, they it said that, like, they're they're not supposed to be here anymore, but there's all kinds of stories all over the part of Appalachia where I grew up where they're still here. Um, I remember stories about that growing up, and then there was one that was, when I went to school over there and I was in first grade, I want to say so it was more like a campfire story type of deal. Um, kind of along the lines of like, uh, the headless horseman type, type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was supposedly, it was a, it was either a, a civil war or a more likely a civil war for the area of Virginia that we were in. Um, soldier that a, uh, was like on, he was, um, he got his head taken off during a battle or something like that. And he'd been trying to find his way home. And mm. like every like sometimes along it's along these uh these old roads, these old paths that have been there for you know, you know, uh, 150 years, something like that. that you know, they're paved now, at least some of them are. Um, you know, walking along this river, you know, at certain times, either in the early morning or late at night, you can see, you know, you can see him, you know, his head, yeah, his body missing the head, trying to, you know, walk along towards uh, his path home. Yeah. Um, I remember that really prevalently uh, for being young over there. And then I don't remember a whole lot of other things. I'm trying to see if there's anything different than stuff I said before when we uh, talked about all the Appalachian stuff with um, with Sean that day. I don't. Um, people don't listen to every episode, so you just go through it again. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff we talked about that episode. <laughs> well, yeah, specifically that would pertain to this episode. I don't know. <laughs> like, I do remember I do remember Sean saying something about like you know you'd hear about like the Appalachian like witches that would kind of like live in the hills and stuff like that you know yeah I mean there there's there's a big thing with like you know people using like you know um like herbal medicines things like that and you know there was like there's people that they were you were told not to go around or don't go up here because you know a witch used to be up there or a witch is still up there yeah um, things like it it wasn't exactly like bones hanging from the trees and stuff like that but you know, that's some Blair Witch stuff <laughs> yeah there wasn't exactly you know stuff like that but you know there was things that like where I, I remember going up over there and like there's a you know there used to be a witch over here and that's why this place feels weird and more than likely if I went back there it's probably not a witch it's just some spirit that hangs around there yeah you know what about you Jacob I'm printing off a PDF I found give me one second oh okay that's a... <laughs> what kind of accent was that <laughs> Is there an accent? I mean, it just sounded odd. It didn't sound like your normal voice. <laughs> Pretty off a PDF. Give me a PDF. I'm getting nerdy. <laughs> I found a PDF online. <laughs> I'm going to say, is this the real Jacob? Or are you a changeling? Yeah. 
Now he's just vibing. Yeah, that's the real Jago. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, it's, it is kind of, I feel like to some degree, I, I feel like with the more like a modern era, you know, I would say more so like our generation and like I'd say the generation before us, I feel like a lot of like our parents' um, generation, I feel like that, that telling of like folk tales and folklore of like, you know, creepy boogeymen, spectral, you know, monstrosities and things like that, like living in certain areas to be told as like, you know, that moral warning of don't do this or don't go here because it could literally cause you physical harm. You know, if you drown, you know, referring to like Kelpies and other things like that. Um, I feel like it's, it kind of died out. I definitely think that was just more of, you know, I feel like, I feel like we should bring more of that back. Like, I know, like I said earlier, like I'm definitely going to bring more of that old school way of like, there's a reason, like, don't do this. Not just because I'm telling you to, but I'm going to add a spooky monster thing involved, you know, or a spirit that, you know, for, you know, my children to be like, oh, dad said, you know, if I go out by myself near the river or the creek, you know, creepy horse mermaid thing is going to snatch me up and then drown me in the river. So I'm not going to go by the river by myself, you know, or or things like that. I wish there was more I remembered from the things like that when I was a kid, but I was back and forth so much between uh, where I live now and there like every other weekend that I just don't remember a whole lot else. Of little, you know, those little folklore things and those little uh, like tales like that. Um, yeah. Just because like I was just so focused on like enjoying the time that I had there with the people that I cared about and then mm-hmm. loading back up in a car for a two hour drive back home. Um and then waiting to be able to go back again and dealing with school and crap in between. Um, there's one more thing I guess I, I do remember, and I remember being told this very young, it's like, don't, you do not step on graves. Because we used to, I swear, like whenever I was little, I we, were, we had, we had, um, we had funerals all the time. And so we mm-hmm. were like, there, we were up at a, up at a graveyard probably every other month or every three months or something like that for at least a few years there was just a lot of the, of the older generations dying um, in my family. And it was that you don't step on graves if, um, if you can help it because you will, it'll bring you bad luck. And sometimes you can't help it because like some of those old graves up there, they've been there as long as the family has. And they've been there, you know, since like 1830, 1840, you know, sometime back to 1800. And they're just not, you know, they, there's not a marker there. Yeah, it's stone's either buried or it's been destroyed or, you know. Yeah, the only thing that I've heard that's kind of similar to that was holding your breath when you pass a graveyard um, because you could, it's, it's, oh no, it's hold your breath and like lift your feet up so that your feet aren't necessarily, so like if you're driving by a graveyard or whatever, you basically would hold your breath and lift your feet up off like the floor of the ground so like your feet are elevated so that you don't potentially have something latch onto you as you pass uh, mm. the graveyard. Yeah. It's, you know, that's really the only thing that I've, I've heard about um, regarding, you know, something similar to like what you were saying with graveyards, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's relatively similar and like, you know, obviously don't walk on it. Uh, I heard multiple stories about gra- things not to do in graveyards, like not walking over graves uh, or saying like, sorry, if you walked over a grave. And then uh, I even remember my grandmother telling me a story when I was really young of a, of a person called bloody bones and bloody bones was basically a skeleton or a zombie that would like hunt children down if they snuck into graveyards at night. So I don't know what it is about graveyards in particular that people are like, do not go there because the undead will kill you. <laughs> nice. Bloody bones. Bloody bones. Sounds like a, sounds like a pirate. I know, right? That's good. Well, on the topic of bloody bones, Ian, since you opened the episode, it's time. It's time to close oh, out the episode. So, uh, I, so you, I didn't practice. You do it too. Big Chief, I want to start the episode, but I don't want to close out the episode. Listen, in, my, Chief is scary. Yeah. Listen in my dream, I only opened the episode. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to it. What? All right, fine. I'll do my best. I'm not going to copy yours because I don't know what you always do. Uh, but anyways, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, I hope you guys found this as interesting as I think we did. I definitely am going to do a lot more research and do it. And yeah, moral of the story, don't always take a lot of this stuff 
uh, especially on the internet for what it is, do, do your cross-referencing like Jacob said, um, you know, and I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of things that everybody else has heard as a child growing up folklore and things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Jacob, do your plug. I don't know what your ha! plug is. Oh, it's so easy, Jacob. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been yeah, doing yeah. the podcast for nine to four episodes. Oh, I usually blank I you don't, out. No, I don't need no practice, Jacob. No, no, no. <laughs> I usually blank you out at this point in the episode. <laughs> when you <close> <laughs> Anyways, thank you everyone for joining us for the Folk Podcast episode 95. We hope you enjoyed the conversation around folklore and fairy tales around the world. It's a really fascinating subject. And as Ian already said, just make sure you do your research and make sure you, uh, you double check everything if you really want to start diving deep. That's why I print off PDFs like this. Uh, because I want to learn more, and it sometimes you got to dive deep into into finding this information if you want to get even deeper into it. Uh, but with that, thank you all so very much, and until the hall, skull, skull. skull. <laughs> oh, look at that! That wasn't wasn't that so much better and smoother, audience. <laughs> <laughs>